The following podcast is rated F for fail. Hello and welcome to Failing Fabulously. I'm your host, Shelley Horton, and throughout this series, I'm realising I'm not alone when it comes to failing. Now, my personal guru, Oprah Winfrey, here's what she said recently. At some point, you are bound to stumble. You will at some point fall. And when you do, I want you to remember this. There is no such thing as failure. Failure is just life trying to move us in another direction. So life feels like it's moved me around so much. We're salsa dancing. But if Oprah says it, well, it must be true. Today I'll be talking to television presenter, radio host, author and podcaster, Sammy Lucas. Her fail was, well, as big as it gets. You know that Hated moment dating. from Sex in the City where Charlotte's like, I've been dating for 10 years, I'm yeah. exhausted, where is he? I'm like, shut up, bitch, try yeah. 30. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get advice from one of Australia's leading psychologists, Dr. Tim Sharp, also known as Dr. Happy from the Happiness Institute. We've actually got thousands and thousands of studies that show we can change the way we think about things. At the same time, it's very important to state it's, it's easier said than done. And just letting you know, Sammy and I are both Queenslanders and we get a little bit sweary in this episode. So if you've got kids around, it might be best if you pop your headphones in. You've been warned. Sammy Lucas! Hello. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here for our final podcast of Failing Fabulously Season 1. I'm honoured that you asked me. Let's so, talk failing. with a bang. I said seriously, one fail each? Really? Do you really want just one? Now, even though this is a podcast about failing, yeah. I like to get everyone to tell me about their successes in 30 seconds. In three, two, one, go. Somehow at the age of 48, I've embarked on this whole new career and I've I've built this whole new career out of my situation, which is being single and writing a book and creating a podcast and embracing this next chapter of my career, which I never imagined would be happening as I'm almost 50. You know what? She just didn't cover enough there, so let me fill you in. Sammy Lucas has established herself as one of Australia's most accomplished and versatile media personalities, notching up a successful career spanning more than 20 years as a TV presenter, a radio host, an author, a podcaster, journalist, red carpet reporter, MC, columnist and media commentator. In 2018, Sammy published her first book, Romantically Challenged, and has now launched a spin-off podcast under the same name. She's also a passionate traveller, and in 2011, she created her own travel business, hosting unique getaways for women in New York. She also writes regular stories about her travel adventures for various magazines and websites. She's got a pretty cool life. Alrighty, let's get on to what we're here for. Okay. The Fabulous Fails. Now, you have had... um some pretty spectacular uh, career fails and I, I don't even want to give anything away. So what would you like to share first? I think my first massive career fail was what I thought would end my career in television. It was my first big break. I'd been working on Totally Wild, a kid's show for three years and anyone working on kids' TV is just waiting for that break yeah. to get out of kids' TV, you know, to get <laughs> yeah. into the big time or I'm prime time. So I finally got this opportunity. I was at Channel 10 and they had asked me to go and do the weather on the five o'clock news, filling in for Tim Bailey right. when he was on holidays. And anyone in Sydney knows Tim Bailey has been doing the weather on the Channel 10 news since before most of us were born, right? 
So um, when they first asked me, I was petrified and I just said, I, c- I can't do it. I'm used to doing a show where I go and, and re- pre-record it all yeah. and I can do as many takes as I like to get it right. And so I originally said no and I said no to them twice when they asked me, even though I knew it was a great opportunity. Finally, a boyfriend I had at the time who was a cameraman said, Sam, I think you should just give it a go. I think you can do it. I finally got the guts to go and do it, did my screen test and I loved it. And I thought, wow, live television is fantastic. And the great challenge about live television is is not just getting your words out, but it's the technical stuff that's going on behind the scenes that people don't realise. It's knowing that when I'm on location, there's maps going on on the television screen that I can't see and listening to directors in my ear and people in my ear telling me what's going on. So you're talking but listening and trying to formulate your bulletin all at the same time. And the big thing about weather on most news bulletins is that you are timing out the show. Yeah. You're the last thing there, right? So if you go overtime, you fuck up the whole bulletin because yeah, yeah. the news doesn't finish on time. Yeah. So there's this whole timing thing, which brings me to my, my, my colossal fail. Um, you know, you're out on location on the weather more often than not doing some sort of colour piece while you're doing the weather. So you're at someone's exhibition or fun run or charity event. And I had only just started doing the weather. I was loving it and I was doing a cross for the Cancer Council to talking about the weather, talking about whatever activity the Cancer Council was promoting. And it was one of those times where we went into the bulletin and I knew I was behind time and I knew that I didn't have much time to get the weather done. But instead of just cutting my weather short and cutting out big chunks yeah. that were not necessarily n- not necessary, I thought, I'm going to power through Rust this. Through. I'm going to talk really fast and I'm going to get it done, which is a recipe for disaster because worst case scenario is that you're going to drop a C-bomb. No lie on air at 5.58. No <laughs> freaking way. Because my How? brain my brain was working ahead of my mouth and I was listening and I had producers in my ears screaming that we were running out of time and I was rushing and rushing and rushing and when your brain's not really functioning, I was trying to say cancer council, but when you're rushing and you go, cancer, 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 Cancer Council. <laughs> Wowzers. So there's not many people that have I dropped a C-bomb during I the news. I, I was thinking it was going to be like on um, Sound of Music, where what is it you can't face, you know? <laughs> well, the other thing, I lived in Tokyo for a long time and always loved at the airport when they announced the um, the boarding for Qantas Flight 16 to Sydney. <laughs> Seriously, I always have a little giggle. Um, and so did you get hauled over the car? I thought in that moment, as I was trying to finish the bulletin, I'm done. This is what's going to be next in my career. Into a little brown box, walk out. Didn't get too many complaints, funnily enough, but everyone at the station thought it was the funniest (laughs) thing. (laughs) Blooper reel. I'm sure it's still shown on the blooper reel at Channel 10. I mean, but what was really interesting about that is it taught me a valuable lesson, you know, about – 
not trying to overdo it from the, the technical side of it, but it also um, enabled me to realise that even in live television when things fuck up, you know, enormously, you can still get through it. And yeah. for someone who swears like a Queensland truck driver <laughs> in real life, I worried that live television wasn't for me. But, you know, that led to me doing more and more weather and which is what led to Peter Meekin from Channel 9 noticing me and asking me to come and do the weather on the Today Show, which just took me to this whole new level of my Absolutely. career. You did also have a bit of a stuff up on Today Show weather, right? I did it. I did one you more. Did Funny that I worked in live radio for 10 years and never swore yeah. on radio. But yeah, I did it on television at the Today Show. Again, one of those colour pieces out on location. We were at the home show at Darling Harbour and I was demonstrating some newfangled toilet. And they, I didn't listen when they told me not to flush it. So I was sort of demonstrating it live on air and I flushed it and I didn't realise there was water in the toilet that came up and flushed all over. <laughs> my face and I did say, oh, shit. We got about 60 complaints for that. 60? That's a lot. For, pe- for, for shit. For saying shit. For for that many people to actually pick up the phone and ring the Channel 9 switchboard Doesn't and complain. Mean, yeah, like that's actually offended 60,000. Yeah, it was a big deal. I did get in massive trouble for that. Wow. Yes. But now, of course, I have my own podcast and we can you swear, swear all the time. You fucking what? I know. I Not do. that I do, but we do you drop do. I've been listening to your podcast and you often go, ah, oh, fucking this, fucking that. And I'm like, oh, love it. <laughs> Makes me feel happy. It's like that's, Look, that's the way was, women speak these days. Do you know days. what? I realised I was never going to marry Prince Harry anyway. Like, <laughs> I would never have been able to cut it as a princess, so I'm good. <laughs> Any others that jump to mind? Oh, the other big one, um, which really embarrassed me, was when I was doing breakfast radio with American Rosso on Nova. This isn't a swearing one, but it was just a mortifying moment where we had just interviewed Keith Urban yeah. live on air and he had just come out of rehab. And the publicist had said, you know, don't mention the rehab, don't mention the rehab. But within 30 seconds, you know what Keith's like. He's yes, such lovely. a beautiful, Absolutely. beautiful man. Oh, Nicole struck the jackpot there. He mentioned the rehab, so we had a good chat about it. Yeah. And it was a big part of the That's interview. Positive. Yeah, really great. When we hung up from him and finished the interview, the boys were like, God, he's a good bloke, isn't he? And I said, he is the sort of guy you just want to go and have a drink with at the pub. Uh, and oops. they both just looked at me and went, he just come out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oops, the name. Oops, the name. Like, <laughs> oops. Anyway, I'm sure Keith I would have laughed it. about it. Ooh, yeah, he would I hope it he wasn't fine. still on the line. <laughs> Oh, I just love that. But you know what? It also shows you're human and we make mistakes. Oh, my God, yeah. It's absolute. I mean. Have you had a big clanger interviewing a celebrity? I have never had. I've never sworn on TV, which amazes me because I swear all the time. So much so that whenever I'm speaking to my brother on speakerphone and his kids are in the back of the car, <laughs> he says, just imagine a red, little red light's on. <laughs> and somehow that switches in my brain and I don't swear. I don't I don't understand it. I swear all the time when I'm emceeing and stuff like that, but I find that people find it yes. endearing. Well, it depends you on your do crowd. It too much, you know. Yeah. Um, Read the room. We need some expert help here. It's time for Dr. Happy to weigh in. So, Dr. Happy, is some failure self-sabotage? To be honest, I don't really believe in or, or uh, that particular theory, I suppose. What? <laughs> I don't think anyone intentionally undoes themselves or un- intentionally 
and stuffs up their lives and make mistakes. Right. The way that I would see it, a slightly different way of thinking about it, is that we certainly, there are times when we will approach a particular task, say, uh, or, or engage in a particular action or a project, say, and we don't truly believe we're capable or we don't really believe we're competent or able to do that. As a result, we might not approach that with full energy, with our full you know, effort, and therefore we might increase our chances of failure. But I don't think it's an intentional thing. It's, it's, there are some underlying thoughts and beliefs that are unhelpful that might subsequently lead to failure or a, even a vicious downward spiraling negative cycle. But again, I don't know if, if, if anyone's intentionally setting out to stuff things up. Let's now talk about a personal fail. So what would you consider a fail with your personal life? Oh, well, I mean, it, it's, a, it's something that I considered a fail that, has somehow turned into a success for me, which was my relationship history and my love life. You know, at 48 to say I have never been married, you know, even though it is something that I thought I wanted and that I tried to achieve, it just didn't happen for me. And I went through a period where I thought, I've really fucked this up, you know, like Mm. I am just a failure at love and maybe I'm just not, you know, you, you think I'm not meant to find love, I'm not meant to be married and then you start to wonder if you're not worthy of it, yeah. you know, and it is to play mind games with yourself. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been dating solidly for 30 years. Wow. <sighs> I know. It's like that, you know, that moment from Sex in the City where Charlotte's like, I've been dating for 10 years. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Where is me? I'm like, shut up, bitch. Try yeah. 30. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I've had some long-term relationships and short-term relationships in that time, but yeah. ultimately I have been single and looking for love for the better part of 30 years. So here's the thing. I It hurts my heart to hear you consider that a failure because Mm. I've been married now twice, but I had 10 years between my marriages. I felt like an absolute failure. Mm. When my first marriage finished, I felt like my fairy tale had been taken away and stuff like that. How much do you think it's society's projection. Oh, my God, that's what it is. That's what it is and that's why. Can we change that? Well, I'm trying to, you know, with my book and my podcasting and the articles that I'm writing and that's when I realised I did go through that phase sort of in my mid to late 30s where I felt like I had failed and then something clicked and it's interesting because when I was writing my book, I, I did a lot of research and I read this article and it resonated with me so much and it's this article that says, imagine what your life would be like and the choices that you would make in your life if you were told from the day you were born you were never going to meet the one. So you just take that off the table? Take it off the table. Imagine you don't spend your entire life searching for someone else to make you happy, for someone else to complete you or for a relationship to complete you. How would that affect the choices that you make and the way you that live your life? Is isn't so it? Liberating. And I thought, oh my God, that's me. Like that is what I have been doing. That's how I live my life and that's still how I live my life yeah. now. And the thought of not finding the one or never getting married doesn't scare me anymore. Yeah, you know, I embrace it. And it is a lot to do with this um, perception that, society has that you're measured, your success and worth and value as a human being is measured largely by your relationship status, which is just bullshit. And look at how many of our girlfriends are in relationships and they're so unhappy. Absolutely. 
yeah. miserable. And the How other is thing- that winning? Exactly. And I, I, I was responsible for that mindset for a long time too, Shell, where I did have some long-term relationships and I – I take responsibility for staying in them for longer than I should have. They were toxic relationships with terrible people. But instead of just saying, this isn't for me, I've got to get out, I was scared to be single because I liked being able to say, I have a boyfriend. And for me, being in this mostly miserable relationship felt like a better option than being alone. And now I realise that that was the darmest thing I ever did. And, and, And my type A personality wanted to make the relationship work and force the freaking square peg into the round hole and turn him into someone I wanted him to be rather than just going, he is not the person for me and I'm going to move on. Dr. Happy, is it possible to retrain your brain? Uh, Well, yes and no. So, yes, it is possible. There's no doubt. We've we've actually got thousands and thousands of studies that show we can change the way we think about things. At the same time, it's very important to state it's, it's easier said than done, and it's particularly harder for some people than others. Are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is hard, and, and I think this is one thing, and as a psychologist, we spend a, you know, psychologists spend a lot of time promoting what's possible, telling people that you can do this. I think we don't often emphasise how hard it is. It yeah, is really the work. It's really difficult, and what we've got to remember is that you know, if, for example, you've had quote-unquote bad thinking habits, you know, sort of negative thinking patterns that have been around for, let's just say, 20, 30, 40 years, we can't expect to just switch that off overnight. So it does take time to retrain. It is possible. The other thing to keep in mind there is that when it comes to accepting or coping better with failure, we've got to remember that we're kind of working against these very strong societal pressures. Society doesn't encourage you to cope with failure. It doesn't encourage you to accept it. I think it should, and I think there are benefits if we could do that. But as well as fighting against ourselves in a way, we're kind of working against those very, very strong external expectations. I think there's a lot of women now, and the reason the book and the podcast for me are resonating with people, there are more single people over the age of 40 than ever before. The last census showed that because more people are feeling empowered to leave unhealthy or unhappy relationships. But also there's more people and women like me who are choosing to stay single and rejecting that societal pressure to get married just because you're supposed to or because you're supposed to have babies. I mean, I've spoken very openly about the fact that I'm child-free by choice and I copped so much flack. And I ended up going and seeing a psychiatrist, Dr. Happy, who is our, our guy who talks on Failing Fabulously. And I was like, what's wrong with me? And I was, he said, nothing. Mm-hmm. You just don't, you're not the same as everyone else and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I, and the thing that I, that gave me a bit of solace out of it is when I started writing about it and speaking about it on TV, I got emails from other women going, thank you. You know, my family um, didn't believe that I didn't want kids, that, that anyone it. would not want to have kids. And I printed out your article and they read it and we all had a cry, but now Aww. they're off my back. Do you get a lot of feedback from that with your Oh book? my God, I've had so much and that's been the best thing. The yeah. most rewarding thing about the book is the amount of feedback from women saying thank you for letting people know that it's okay to be single. And I have talked about this when the book came out, the fact that we need to remove the word spinster from the oh, vocabulary the because spinster. it has got so many negative connotations yeah. built up over the years. I am by 
definition a spinster. But you know, there are plenty of I'm women. Sorry, but like you do not me. look like a spinster. Well, see, that's the yeah. thing. I'm not some sad, lonely woman sitting in a corner yeah. eating cat food. I like so many <laughs> other so-called spinsters. We yeah. are out there living fabulous, fabulous exciting, lives. rewarding, productive lives. Yeah. Don't feel sorry for us. Um, so yeah, a lot of feedback from that, which was fantastic. And and for me now, even though I felt like I have failed in the area of love and relationships, I am embracing it now. It's sort of been able to breathe new life into my career yeah. through the book and the podcast. So the failure has actually become your success. Well, it's kind of my job now is yeah. being single. <laughs> Shit, you better not get a boyfriend. <laughs> Someone said that to me recently. Like, how would that affect your brand <laughs> if you fell in love? I was like, really? I don't Please. look at it that way. Yeah. I'm just like you. We're just yeah. open about talking about our lives, I sharing it. If there's something that is worrying you or you're struggling with, it means that there are hundreds and hundreds of women out there feeling the same way, yeah. so you should share. Exactly. So it's good. Um, thank you so much for sharing today. I absolutely love that you are the perfect example of turning a fail into a success. Very similar, um, Jessica Rowe, who we had on, can't cook, and now she has a brand <laughs> called Crap Housewife. So you know what? This is encouraging everyone listening. Whatever you're really bad at, think of it as a career. Yeah, romantically <laughs> challenged. Who knew? That's my new thing. Yeah. I love it. Um, thank you so much, honey. I think that, you know, you are fabulous as a single, as a couple, as a triple, as a whatever, and I just want to make sure that you don't ever feel like a failure because you are not and thanks for wrapping up Series 1 with me. Congrats. What a brilliant idea. Fine. I love it. Well done, you. <laughs> that was the final episode of Season 1 of Failing Fabulously. But you can always jump on iTunes and see if there were any episodes you failed to listen to. See what I did there? Failing Fabulously is research produced and presented for Nine Honey by me, Shelley Horton, and whipped into shape by podcast producer extraordinaire Dan McHugh. But if it fails, I'm putting all the blame on Dan. Hey! See ya!